Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here. Happy you're listening. Well, I hope you guys aren't getting too bored with my COVID reporting. Um, I just think this is this is probably going to turn out to be the single biggest thing, maybe that's ever happened in in the history of the United States and maybe the world world history even. I know that's that I know that sounds crazy, but uh, it it just seems to me that. Uh, this is going to radically change, um, you know, who can have babies, uh, who's going to die early, who's not going to die early, um, what kind of diseases are going to ravage our society. I mean, I think this, not just our society, not just in the United States, but globally. And, um, and I think this could, this could end up being, you know, the largest, thing to happen in world history, potentially. I mean, um, it really makes me nervous because uh, they keep pushing these vaccines. I mean, I'm still seeing commercials on TV and I, uh, you know, it's just, it's just befuddles me uh, to see the government and, and the drug companies continuing to push these these shots when they're clearly hurting people. And, um, it, it's starting to make me wonder if it's not intentional. I I know that sounds crazy. Uh, and I even think it sounds crazy. Um, but you know, I've, I've said, I say this all the time on this program in uh, the 20th century governments killed, uh, almost 170 million people. And, Government is the single most important thing you should be afraid of. It's the single largest threat to your liberty. And, uh, you know, if you tangle with the government in a way that they don't like, they will make you pay. Um, I think I think we see this with January 6th. We see this in a lot of areas. We could spend a whole show just talking about um, the people that have come under the uh, the threat and the abuse of government. And this has been happening since the founding of the country. I mean, this is not anything new. So, but I, I you know, COVID is, is just, uh, you know, now we're, we're learning, for example, that, I mean, it's not even in dispute anymore that this came from the lab and the Chinese government has changed their official um, story from potentially an accident to an incident. Now, this seems harmless, like a harmless change, you know, this one word from accident to incident. But accident means accident, right? It didn't mean, we didn't mean to do it. It accidentally happened. There was an, you know, an error, a slip up that led to the release of this virus. Incident means, I don't know, maybe they had a disgruntled employee that hated everybody or something and decided to turn this loose, or maybe it was something that was planned, and they're just not calling it that. They're just, they're calling it an incident instead. I don't know. 
I mean, this is, again, speculation. But it is curious that now that the lab leak has been, you know, determined to be the case that the, the Chinese government has changed the language around it. Now, just so you know, the Chinese government doesn't have to admit that it came from the lab. That, that's not necessary to know um, that the virus was man-made. We can know this by looking at the virus, by, by studying its, uh, gene, its genome and uh, its, the DNA sequencing and things like that. I'm not an expert in this area, but my understanding is there's, there are signatures that, uh, in, in that DNA sequence that basically reveal that it's man-made. So I don't think this is in dispute at this point. And I think the Chinese government has uh, acknowledged that by, by changing this official language. Even though there's no documentation, we're never going to see anything like that. that. You can just forget that. That's, that's dead and buried. We're, not gonna, we're never going to see any documentation come out of the CCP about this leak. But the ramifications, my point is, the ramifications of this uh, are cultural, uh, they're, they're liberty-related. Uh, you see government strengthening its hold on power uh, as a result of this, of, of COVID and the response to COVID. And, and we're seeing death. I mean, we're seeing death and severe injury due to these shots. The, the COVID, in fact, the response, both the uh, lockdowns and uh, the shot itself have just been devastatingly uh, destructive. And so today, I'm going to expound on some of that destruction. Uh, there's some official statistics out of uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the ABS. And these are pretty shocking numbers. I mean, these are the government's own numbers. And uh, I think this is worth reporting. And I don't know if this is if this trend is going to continue. The numbers are one year in the rear. Okay, so they've released uh, birth uh, statistics from 2021 for each month of 2021. And what we're seeing is right at the end of 2021, in November and December, a dramatic a dramatic decrease in childbirths. And I'm going to cover this chart in a little bit more detail, uh, but I, I want to hear, uh, we're going to hear from a couple of reports uh, from people talking about this first. This is in relation to the New South Wales data that is showing that the vaccinated are those that are in hospital and the vaccinated are the ones that are suffering severe harm and or injury. Uh, and then likewise, we've got uh, Luke McLinden, um, who's a fertility specialist in OBG. Uh, Maria, if you could bring up a couple of the slides from uh, Dr. McLinden's evidence, and you'll see uh, there a couple of uh, tables from the OpenVAERS um, data, which is the data from um, uh, uh, the states uh, and their voluntary um, reporting uh, system. You can see there that we've got a situation where there's a significant increase in uh, miscarriages and stillbirths uh, in 2021-2022 uh, to the point that we are just shy of 4,000 um, miscarriages and stillbirths uh, 
in year 2021 um, as compared to, uh, you know, the previous years, which at the height of that was um, possibly about 250 stillbirths a year in um, 2009. can just interject here. I know that Scotland has opened up an investigation into the amount of uh, neonatal deaths that have just spiked over the past two years. And the only explanation, the only thing that's really changed that we can put this down to is the COVID-19 injections. They're not vaccines. So this is uh, two women and there's, I think there's a third woman in here, but I don't know who she is. But uh, the first two women you hear talking are Jelena Gillespie and solicitor Katie Ashburn Coppins. And what they're talking about is this New South Wales data uh, where there's miscarriages, stillbirths, and uh, other negative outcomes um, uh, with regards to uh, the birth of children that they've been able to track thus far. Now, one of the ones I want to bring up is the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Um, put out recently, uh, I would say within the last two weeks, put out information for last year's uh, birth rate by state in Australia. Now, I'm not going to go by each state, but I'm going to point out um, uh, what I see as the, the trend, the normal trend. So really going all the way back to the 70s, I don't think they ever had a month with less than about 18,000 births. But the last several years have been 24, 25, 26. I mean, let me just read what just some numbers here that I see. Going back to 2015, we see numbers like 24,942, Nine hundred seventy-three, and I'm just reading random months. I don't see a single month below twenty-four thousand, twenty-three thousand. Here's twenty-three thousand three three two in two thousand nineteen. Here's in twenty twenty in February there was twenty-two thousand seven ninety-eight, and in November of twenty twenty there was twenty-two thousand two thirty-eight. So I don't see anything less than that in this two thousand fifteen through 2021 data until you get nine months after the beginning of 2021. And in November of 2021, the birth rate in the whole country of Australia drops to 18,186. And in the very next month, December, it drops to 6,659. Now, We don't have any 2022 data yet from Australia, Uh, so we can't say anything about 2022 and whether this trend continues into 2022. But, man, if it does, this is a very serious problem, especially if this is happening, you know, all over the Western civilization, you know, the the Western-type countries. Um, I don't have any sense whether it's happening in China or India or Russia, or any places like that. We don't, they don't necessarily share their statistics with us. But um, these Western countries are experiencing, you know, some sort of negative externality um, related to the COVID-19 injections. 
the mRNA injections. And if you'll recall, you know, Australia, Australia was very aggressive about locking people down, making sure people were vaccinated. So um, I'm not surprised that, that they have, uh, at least in this data series, some of the most negative outcomes. I mean, we saw horrible things coming out of Australia. The, the police were horrible. The policies were horrible. They were putting people in camps. It was really something. I mean, you, something you wouldn't expect in a Western country. I mean, I, I, I tend to expect things like that from China. So when we see, you know, the Chinese government beating its citizens and locking them in these camps and deplorable conditions and things like that, you, you kind of almost expect it in China. But man, you don't expect it to see in any Western countries like Australia or any, any place in Europe or Canada. You just don't expect to see that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, action from Western governments. Civil rights attorney Aaron Siri, the managing partner at Siri and Glimstad. Mr. Siri, thank you for coming on. I just want to point out that it was 463 days, you tell us, from the time that you requested this vSafe data. vSafe is a CDC program where you just kind of report how you're doing after you got the vaccine. 463 days to get it. Why did it take so long in your estimation, sir? Before we hear from Aaron Siri, I just want to point out that it's so interesting that the government sets up these, these you know, places where we can report, and it's supposed to be transparent, and it's it's supposed to be in the name of safety and all this kind of stuff. And this guy is about to tell us that it took 460 plus days to get the CDC to release the data. <laughs> I mean, where is the transparency in that? I mean, I've talked about this many times on the program that. Reporting information, whether it be in the media or the government, the timeliness of information is just as important as the accuracy. And sometimes you have to weigh that, right? You have to go, well, we haven't verified everything, but we think it's important for people to know this. But what's interesting about, you know, vSafe data or just anything coming out of these institutions is they're erring on the side of non-transparency. We can't let the public know this information. And I just think that's telling, you know, that, that, that says something about our institutions, our government, our quote-unquote public health system. I just think it's an interesting insight. It's a very good question. Why did it take numerous legal demands, multiple appeals, two lawsuits, in fact, before the CDC finally handed over the vSafe data, which is already de-identified data for the most part that they provided just two days ago, 144 million lines of code that they could have provided in a matter of minutes at any point. It's a great question. Maybe the answer is, is that now that we have that data and we've looked at that data, of the 10 million users within vSafe, 7.7% uh-huh. of them had to seek medical care after vaccination. That is an incredibly high percentage, it appears to me. Yeah, it's interesting how these people run around and complain about conspiracy theories, but we have to sue the CDC twice and you know appeal and do all this stuff to get data that they should just release because it should be in the public interest for people to know what this data says. And yet, it took this long to get it. And so, you know, 
again, the guy's speculating, um, you know, 10 million out of 10 million users, 7.7% of them reported, you know, some sort of adverse reaction after taking um, the COVID-19 shot. So, um, you know, clearly they didn't want that to influence people's decision to go in and get vaccinated. I mean, you got to remember, you got to put this in perspective. The government was pursuing a policy through OSHA to mandate this through corporations. They already knew all this. They knew it wasn't safe, and yet they buried it. And the question is why? And of course, they won't answer why. So all we have to do is speculate. And this is how these theory, uh, these conspiracy theories get created. But look, in the absence of of full transparency and any logical, reasonable dialogue out of our government, why wouldn't you expect people to speculate? I mean, I've even said, you know, in talking to people that I'm starting to think the government's trying to kill us. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds extreme, but I think there there's a critical mass of people that believe that there's too many people on the planet and, you know, we, we're going to have to somehow curb the population growth and our current population. There's just too many consumers, too many people consuming on the planet. And so, you know, my thing is, look, if you really feel that way and you feel strongly about that, then why don't you kill yourself, you know, just off yourself and do the rest of us a favor? Why are you, why do you think you have the authority or the position in life, or, you know, why are these people playing God and deciding that you and I need to die? Why don't they just kill themselves? Why didn't Anthony Fauci, if he really believes that, just kill yourself? If you really, if you're Bill Gates or whoever, and you think there's too many people on the planet, look, leave your money to your kids or whoever, and just kill yourself. I mean, leave the rest of us alone. You know, I've, I, uh, one of my friends in the Libertarian Party, I was asking her one time, I said, you know, why did you, why did you join the Libertarian Party? Because I'm always kind of curious. I think it's telling, you know, why people join. I want to know kind of their origin story, if you will. And she said to me, she said, you know, this damn government, it just won't leave me alone. I mean, she was happy to just not be involved in the political process. But it's getting to the point where the government just won't leave you alone. I mean, you have to be involved. For decades, you didn't have to be involved in the political process. You could just you could just get up every day, have kids, raise them right, raise them to be good citizens, uh, be productive, buy whatever you want, sell whatever you want, do whatever you want, just about as long as you didn't infringe on somebody else's rights. But now it's getting to the point where, you know, it's like you're a child, right? And you have to ask for permission for every little thing you do. And then there's no shortage of people running around telling you to do things you don't want to do. And I just thought it was interesting that she said, you know, this damn government just won't leave me alone. And she was talking specifically about the vaccine mandates. She didn't want to take it. She'd done her own research. So this is the thing I don't understand about her government. They run around and tell people, well, you know, some people aren't smart enough to make the right decisions or don't have the right information. Okay, fine. My, my, my position is always go hassle them. Leave me alone. I've done my research. I've made my decision. 
I know what I want and don't want. Okay? Go, I don't know, give some sort of literacy test or test people if you have to or something. But uh, but don't just lump us all together and tell, and tell me that, well, some people aren't smart enough to make the right decisions. Well, I am. Okay, so leave me alone. And the problem is the government can't do this. It's an all or nothing thing, right? It's, it's equal protection under the law. They have to either do it to everybody or do it to nobody. And so my position is, okay, then do it to nobody. Because I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be forced uh, or strongly recommended to take something that I don't want to take. But I don't know, man. We're, we're at this place where the government is just, every day you wake up and they want to tell you to do more. And what they're doing to do this is they're manipulating uh, studies. And they're doing this with the money system. This is why I say the money it always comes back to the money you probably get tired of me talking about it, but our money system is so dishonest and the government has such a monopoly on it that it's, I mean, it, this is the very government that runs around and complains about monopolies, right? Oh, we got to break this company up because they're too big. The monopoly that hurts us the most is the monopoly that the government has on money and the production of money and their willingness to use that production of money against us. They're willing to pay people off. They're willing to pay scientists to do studies that aren't true. They're willing to, uh, I don't know if you've watched commercials lately, but half the commercials that are medical uh, are PSAs. They're public service announcements. They're paid for by the government. If you listen to the radio, every, almost every ad on the radio is brought to you by the ad council. Any kind, Any kind of medical or any kind of public service thing is always brought to you, brought to you by the ad council. The ad council is the government. Okay. It's the marketing arm of the government. And so they use this money that they produce out of thin air against us to propagandize us, to, to buy off research scientists and, and get studies produced that are quote unquote legitimate, but not really. I mean, this is the source of the problem. And the more pervasive it gets, the more, God, the more damaging uh, the outcome we seem to be experiencing. So, look, I want to play a little bit more from these people because this information is critical. I mean, this, uh, these COVID shots are, appear to be very, very dangerous. I mean, if you if you go watch the movie on Rumble called "Died Suddenly," that is really something, man. I mean, there's something going on here, and obviously, you know, the powers, the people in the halls of power don't want to look into it. Yeah, and and if I can, so sure I just there want to put this graphic up it, to kind of follow along with you. You're right. Seven point seven required sure. medical care. I'm talking about emergency rooms, hospitalizations. There it is, right there. And on top of that, not yeah. to to go you one better, but this is your information. Another two point five million. We're talking twenty five percent missed work or school or had bad reactions to the vaccine. What's the takeaway for you from this? Is it significant? It is. I, it seems incredibly significant. A big reason that they pushed the COVID vaccine is they said, look, not everybody's going to get, you know, seriously injured by COVID, but 
for many, it'll prevent them from having symptoms, being hospitalized, mm -hmm. uh, missing work. Well, now that we have the data, we could see that getting the vaccine caused 25% of people who got the shot within mm -hmm. this data set of 10 million people to miss work, to have some serious event affecting their normal life functions. Yeah, so with the benefit of hindsight, the arguments that they were using to try to convince us to take the shots in the first place are, are, you know, are the very arguments that you would use against it if you had access to this data set. You know, look, doctors have, they have this Hippocratic Oath, right? And in this Hippocratic Oath, one of the, one of the tenets of it is first do no harm. Well, if you're sending 25% of the patients that take the shot to the hospital, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if you've been to a hospital lately, but it's very expensive to go to a hospital. And if the whole idea was to keep you out of the hospital, right? So that you weren't subject to uh, potential death and one of these long stays where you barely survived. You know, the whole point was to miss that experience. And here we find out from this data set that they could have released 460 days ago that, uh, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't have taken this. And certainly not as many people would have taken the shot had this data been available, which is, to me, the very reason they didn't release it. The reason they're holding on to it uh, is because they want they didn't want that negative information out there. They wanted people to take the shot. Why? I don't know. I the only conclusion you can really come to, I mean logically anyway, is that they're trying to kill us. I mean that's what it feels like. I I, I don't know. I mean, you just almost can't come to any other conclusion. There is no rational reasoning uh, why you would withhold data that would help people make a decision that would keep them out of the hospital, other than the fact you want them to take the vaccine. Why do you want them to take the vaccine? Because it's for their own good and maybe you're trying to kill us. I don't know. Four million people uh, reporting joint pain after they got the vaccine. Right. It's, and it's not just that it's four million. It's that it's four million out of a group of only 10 million people. So that, that makes that number extremely high. And of those four million that reported joint pain, you know, joint pain is an immune reaction that is something to be concerned about after vaccination. About two million of those were moderate, not mild, but moderate joint mm -hmm. pains, and 400,000 of them were severe joint pain. This is a shot that's intended to help folks who are more elderly. Those are the folks susceptible to COVID. Making their joints swell, potentially causing long-term issues, that's not a good idea. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not just four million out of all the vaccines administered. It's four million out of 10 million. That's 40%. Now, if you'll recall in previous COVID episodes, especially when I was talking about how the vaccine worked, if you'll recall, I, I brought up the, the idea of an autoimmune disorder. Uh, because if you, if you think about the way the vaccine works and how it, uh, the lipid nanoparticle enters your cell, and we already know the lipid nanoparticle was found in multiple organs in the body. So if you've got lipid nanoparticles entering your organ tissue at the cellular level and then expressing pike, uh, spike protein on the surface of that organ tissue, well, now you've got a situation where your body, your own body's immune system, 
is attacking that spike protein or attacking that tissue. So it's, it's perfectly reasonable to expect that there's going to be some autoimmune issues with these mRNA shots. Um, and I, I guess based on, you know, what he's saying, um, a pretty high percentage of people could experience this. And the thing about autoimmune disorder, it just gets worse, right? Uh, you, the, the longer your body attacks your body, the worse your body gets. Your body is, it's kind of a, um, uh, you, it's kind of a, a sickening that gets worse and worse over time. And so, yeah, this is a bad, bad situation. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of people could have used this information 460 days ago uh, instead of, you know, after they've had two series of uh, mRNA shots and a booster and have been propagandized to the hilt. I mean, this is this is a real problem and, and, and we might not ever know the reasons why they've held it all back. All of the data has been put up by the, our client, who we represented in this case, ICanDecide.org. And on their website, they've created this amazing, uh, easy-to-use, simple interface where you can search all this data. Yeah. And one of the tools that you can use is they can look by vaccine. And in fact, the Moderna vaccine, interestingly, even though less shots of it were administered, appears within this data set to have a higher rate of adverse effects. Yeah, I don't know if Moderna or Pfizer is worse, but mRNA the technology and the way it was applied here is definitely the problem. And, um, I think we've covered in pretty good detail, the process, uh, I mean, pretty good layman's detail. Anyway, the process by which the, the MRNA shots work. And the bottom line is it's just, I don't know who, was kind of thinking about this, but just from a, if you just look at the logic and the processes that are involved, it just doesn't make sense to generate uh, a spike protein, have that be the mRNA message, and have it present itself on cells in the human body. That just sounds like autoimmune disorder. I mean, we know that the spike protein is attacked by the immune system, right? I mean, there would be another there would be no other reason for creating a spike protein. I mean, that was the whole purpose behind the development of the mRNA technology is to develop a protein that your body would recognize as foreign and attack it. But if these proteins are are presenting themselves on your own um, organ tissue then, you know, it's clear that you have a situation where your body is attacking its own organs. And that cannot be a healthy situation. It just can't be. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I need to, I need to say that. I'm not a doctor. But I do understand the way things work. And I would challenge any doctor to uh, talk with me and let me ask them questions and let's drill down into, uh, it, it, let, let them convince me. I mean, you know, let come on the show, let's talk about it. Because um, processes are processes. Things work the way things work. And, and 
no amount of putting fancy words around it or anything like that is going to make it make that different, make that change. So, well, look, I've uh, I've taken up quite a bit of time on the show today. I want to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, if you if you like the show, you know, maybe go on to your podcatcher and write me a good review. I certainly would appreciate that. Obviously, share the show. Uh, we're coming up on another. Uh, round of holidays with Christmas. I'm going to be around family. Uh, you know, promote the show, share it with your friends and family. Um, you know, do what you can to help me out. I'd, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I'm uh, basically trying to build an audience, right? I want to build an audience because I think I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm so anti-government and so skeptical about Anything the government does, I, I want to share that. And I mean, I'm, I'm not on here to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I want to point out and I want to make the case as to why you shouldn't trust the government. Uh, the government does not care about you. In fact, it, it could care less about you. What the government cares about and the people that are in government is they care about their power that they get to wield. They care about the budgets that they have. They care about prolonging their cush career where they get to hobnob around and basically do nothing but get paid and then get a big pension. That's what they care about. And to the extent that you threaten that and I threaten that, then we're the enemy. Uh, but you sh should certainly never trust them. Their incentives, uh, this whole government service and He's committed or she's committed a lifetime of service, public service. That's just bullshit. That's just more propaganda. These people could care less about you. All they care about is their job and what they're doing and their little circle that they're in and their, their, their little fiefdom, uh, their little power circle. So don't ever forget that. All right. So let me wrap up by saying if you come back tomorrow, I'll be here talking about another interesting subject that has to do with our government, infringements on your liberty, and just, you know, living in America in the 21st century. <laughs>